Hi, I'm Alexis Alexander, and this is The Off-Duty Diplomat, a podcast about the 10 years I worked for the U.S. Department of State. Hey there. Here we are past the halfway point for this season of The Off-Duty Diplomat. Last episode, my guests and I walked you through the work of a press officer at an embassy and what it was like to be a first-time manager in such high-stakes situations. In this episode, we will look into the wave of Trump administration officials that came to Israel after the election and how I supported those visits as deputy spokesperson. We start with the why of those visits in my conversation with Fallon. Outside of the fact that, like, you know, you being the supposedly back office social media person, you're now elevated to this major player in the situation because of the way that this new administration did work. What else did that administration or the changeover, how did that change you, change your work, not you? Oh, boy. I guess if we're talking just like kind of time-wise, logistically, The new administration, any new administration, especially with Israel, you have to come and visit. You'll notice, you know, as we speak, Biden is on his way to Israel and Jordan um, Mm -hmm. as part of addressing this conflict. While I was in Israel, I supported 13 cabinet level or White House visits. So Secretary of Defense, I supported two of them. Uh, I supported three presidential visits. I supported a vice presidential visit. I supported... Uh, Secretary of the Treasury visit, actually multiple of those. I supported how many visits from the special representative for Israeli and Palestinian affairs. And the list goes on and on and on and on. You know, and that's not even counting like congressional stuff. We were so busy, we didn't even bother supporting most of the congressional visitors that we had, which usually is a big part of press work. So because those people kept coming so fast and furious, starting basically in January 2017, I was doing one of these visits like once a month. And I know maybe it sounds like, okay, you had like a really busy day once a month. What that actually means is at least two to three weeks of intensive planning every single day, meetings for four hours at a time at the Ministry of Defense, the Ministry of the Interior, Ministry of Agriculture, the President, or sorry, the Office of the Prime Minister, Office of the President. And that's not even counting all of the internal meetings we have to have at the embassy to figure out how we're going to do logistics support, how many vehicles in the motorcade, who's going to sit where. How many staffers are, how many of these events are going to be public and therefore we need to get press coverage for? That was usually my equity because I had to have a cameraman. I had to have a photographer on site for everything. And then all of my social media managers had to be ready to edit, put in subtitles, create the product, get that fully approved through our approval chain, both at Post and then at the department within the span of the media cycle so that we could keep up with what was going to be put out by everybody else who was involved. So yeah, that was, it's just, it's weeks and weeks of work. I remember every time we would have a presidential visit, and same for vice president, I had to move to Jerusalem for about four days to a week. So I would have Mm -hmm. to pack a bag and stay in a hotel just so I could be on site for all of the site visits. So when the president goes somewhere in Israel, there are about three or four different security groups that have to be looped in that are Israeli. And then there's Mm -hmm. another one on our side, which is diplomatic security. And then there's the secret service 
So all five of these security groups have to be placated, which means I need to know everybody who's a POC for each one of these groups because there's going to be checkpoints, blockades for everybody. I have to have credentials for me and my team to get past certain points so that we can actually get a camera on what's happening. I have to know Mm -hmm. what the entire walkthrough of the space is going to be for the local press and for the traveling press who come with. Uh, We have to have all of this timed out. We have to know where their vehicles are going to be staged, where the principal's vehicles are going to be staged. And then because, of course, the principal is going to get closer to the event than anyone else, we have to be ready once we arrive to run down to whatever location the press are going to be at so we can get that footage and then run out of there to the next spot so we can get there before the principal does. And you do that over and over and over again. So it's a lot of like, I do a first walkthrough with my team. We tape out everything. We do a second walkthrough with the head of the space and the security forces so they know our faces, they know everybody. We do uh, another walkthrough. We put down all of the electronic equipment, couple cameras, um, probably like one of those, what do they call them? The power boxes that you use when you're traveling so that you can put your microphone in and your camera. You're basically building a whole production. You're building a soundstage. You're building a set. Yes. Over wherever it is. Over. No, that's like a ser- that's a keynote planning. You're yeah. planning like conference level event presentations. And then I'm assuming with the Trump folks, everything changed every day. Like somebody woke up and was like, yeah, we're doing it this way. And then you got to go back all the way through and tell everybody again. Oh, no, no. As a as a production manager, it's, it's insane. It's either the talent or your stakeholders or the money people. But like someone somewhere is literally waiting to show their ass at the worst time. And then everyone else has to scramble because now their butt's out. 100% foul. And (laughs) I had to be, I'm really the go-between because my Israeli local staff have all the connections on the ground. They know the chief of press for the prime minister's office because they go way back. They've been covering each other's stuff for years and years and years. But Mm -hmm. the secret service and the diplomatic security won't let any of the local staff into our briefings. So I'm the one who has to get all of that highly technical production information and make sure it is correct. Make sure Mm -hmm. everybody knows what the situation is because they're not going to deal with the Israelis, just like the Israelis don't really want to deal with me. And if I was the one in their place, we probably would get terrible placement, et cetera, et cetera. But if if you didn't do it and if you didn't do it right, you're screwed on both sides because now the Israelis are offended because how dare you? And the Americans are like, what are you doing? You're an idiot. such high stakes (laughs) event planning. And it's one thing where I will like, listen, I have a lot of complaints and I can talk for days about how difficult it was to work with that team sometime. But I will say when we did visits, every one of them was a consummate professional. They literally made miracles happen. That could not have happened if those people had not been doing their jobs to the level they did them. If anything, Mm -hmm. I think the reason I had trouble with them is because they were used to that level of intensity and that was what they thrived doing. You know, having a back-to-back carrier visit and then 4th of July party to put together, I've never seen them so happy and so ready to do anything at any time. It's when it's like a random Wednesday and I'm like, we should go cover the English micro-scholarship kids. And they're like, no, no, I don't want to. It's like, okay, now I've got to deal with everyone. But those visits were absolutely psycho. It, it's why now looking back, I'm like, I, I do judge events when I visit them now. Cause I'm like, 
Not much of an ingress here. Well, I would have put uh, some gaff tape down over that wire. Don't know why this is in the middle of a walkway. You know, stuff like that. I just noticed all the ingress and outgress points. Why was there not an announcement of what's happening next? The run of show is why not there a run clear. Of show? Why is it there? It's clear that there's no run of show, darling. There's, it's stuff like that where I'm just like, oh, I no, can't turn it off. And even now when I plan a trip somewhere. Another reason why we're friends. <laughs> even now when I plan a trip somewhere, I, I do know. a full itemized itinerary broken out with times, travel times, alternate routes. I have bathrooms planned for people if possible. I have alternate restaurants. I will do multiple reservations at a time. I guess you can take the girl out of the spokesperson's office, but you can't take the spokesperson's office out of the girl. Yeah, again. Oh, man. And now I'm like, my the algorithm is connecting this to how I met you. <laughs> Tell the people, Fallon. Tell the <laughs> We've avoided getting kind of personal, but I'm like, no, now this is the origin story of the mistress of ceremonies. <laughs> I got, bu- I have buku nicknames for Alexis. <laughs> buku. But... I call her the mistress of ceremonies because we met while she was organizing a gaggle, a full on gaggle of women around brunching and just bon vivant miss. And that's literally how I met her. She's just like, I'm going to organize things. There will be a calendar invite. There will be a reservation. It's going to be for 10 <laughs> and we're going to do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is it who I am now. As you heard, probably one of the most lingering impacts of my career in the Foreign Service shows up in the way I plan events and trips. I love a detailed itinerary and a backup plan. Anyways, now we'll pivot to my conversation with Nissan, where she explains how important the local staff at the embassy are to making these visits happen smoothly. I remember President Paris's funeral that I was just, I had no important role, but I oh, felt yeah. like I was in the middle of, of something important historically that is happening right now and I'm inside it. Uh, and that's a very special feeling to have. It, it is addictive. Uh, you transitioned us beautifully to my next question, which is going to be, do you remember us working together on any specific projects? And you brought up the visits. Oh my God. The visits. The visits that was, uh, first of all, do you remember, do you remember the ones you worked on? I what do. Were the ones you remember? I had two POTUS ones, one for Obama, one for Trump. I had a VP with the Pence, a few secretaries of state defense, um, I think we, I worked on one, fi, uh, not finance, you call it uh, treasure. Treasury. Treasury. Yeah. Senior Israelis than me that worked every general that came and um, like those codas and uh, all the ships that came in and you have to make a big event out of it. Wow. There were so many. I remember counting. Um, at some point right before I left and I've done, we did it during that period, 2016 to 2018, 13 cabinet level. So secretary of state, secretary of treasury, secretary of defense or white house mm. level visits. If we include the special representative, oh. who <laughs> you can't even count never stopped coming. Yeah, I know <laughs> we lived in that man's pocket. Uh, 
It was insane. <laughs> time period. And the, the so fact that he normally, wanted the report at 8 a.m. instead of 2 p.m. So I had to come in the office at 3, p, at 3 a.m. So he has it to read in break, at breakfast. Wait, <laughs> son. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. Stuff like that. And then, oh, there was so much. So I know, I feel like I know a lot of what I had to do on those visits. So for people who don't know, Obviously, all of these are a lot of these are acronyms. When she says CODEL, it's a member of Congress who's visiting. It's a short for congressional delegation, but it's Israel. So you get the president, you get the vice president, you get people who are very high level in the administration. And especially because 2016 was an election year. So there was a new administration that had to kind of come and sort of officially meet all of the important Israeli government officials and people who hold sway uh, to start, you know, establish those relationships and then also sort of show the public that those relationships are established. And also because, frankly, Israel was kind of a not insignificant talking point for the Trump campaign when they were messaging to certain groups within the U.S. Yes, it was. Uh, so uh, they, they really focused on Israel Go ahead. It was a completely political issue in in the U.S. Like Israel is like one of the um, an article in someone's um, uh, what what's the word when campaign platform? Yes, exactly. It it's always uh, one of the first pointers in foreign policy, which is ridiculous because Israel is so tiny and so really. If you think about it, it's insignificant. But uh, politically, it's not. So Politically, it's not. Politically, it's not. So certainly not for the U.S. Uh, so because of that, you might go through a whole two-year tour in other places and never have a presidential visit, never have a cabinet-level visit, you know, never have a special representative come through. Yes, I always uh, wondered I think when I was in- what PD press does in other countries that don't get this... So much attention. From what I understand, they get to focus on their quote unquote actual job, which is reporting and analyzing messaging and then actually creating counter messaging. Like all the stuff that you were doing before we had to drop everything and like attend to whoever was coming to visit is the stuff that they really get to like dig deep on. So you probably would have gotten to go way deeper on like Instagram strategy. Remember when I tried to have that meetup of influencers and we sent all those invitations and it got canceled literally the day before because Perez died? Yes. And we had to plan for a POTUS visit suddenly. So everything got dropped. Every single other thing happening at the embassy had to be dropped because we had to support that visit. Uh, the embassy staff said. So anyway, I interrupted you. Uh, what did you do on these visits? What do you remember doing? Well, when I did social, obviously I was most of my time was to get a good shot or a good story real. Uh, I mean, to, to get a product that I can use. Um, there were a few times that I was a site officer. Like every time, again, you have the, every location has the American site officer that does completely different things. And the Israeli, the local staff officer, which is not really an officer to just give you, let you use the name. It's basically your job is to make sure that everything flows exactly like was planned in the thousand preparation meetings and then changed and rechanged and then someone wanted something else, but with the latest version of how things are supposed to go and just to put out fires and just prepare for the stuff you can't prepare for, you know? 
Or, so in, a, in America, yeah, go ahead. And there was this tiny bit of uh, babysitting the foreign press, like the 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 press that come with the VIP. I forgot the name, like the the traveling press traveling corps. Pe- press corps, exactly. So some of the job is just walking with them from place to place, making sure none of them is lost, like sheep. You don't actually get to talk to them. They're just like a group of sheep you need to keep together to make sure none of them get lost. It's always this like funny relationship because our job is to work with the press. And at the same time, at least on my end, I don't know if this is true for you, but I was the deputy spokesperson, but I was never supposed to be like giving the press information. You know, if anyone was going to say anything, it was going to be the ambassador. Uh, Or maybe like one of my bosses would say something on background or on deep background. But the person you wanted quoted by the press was always going to be the ambassador or the highest ranking American in the situation. So we spent so much time like near them, but like kind of not talking to them like that, you know, because normally when you're a diplomat or any of that, like public diplomacy, it's for the public, right? Like, so you want to like go out and talk to people and meet them and get to know them and build contacts. But we had this real like especially during the Trump presidency, because I was like, I don't want to get myself fired by saying the wrong thing to the wrong person. And there's so much chaos and nonsense happening behind the scenes that like, we're, we're lucky if they don't notice it on their own, honestly. So <laughs> you're like, you're like hurting them, but it's like a very intentional, like get them from point A to point B and then get out of there, you know, run. And I remember exactly. on, the, on the visit, we, we had no sleep. We didn't eat. We didn't, the, Everything was so chaotic and you were always on standby that something is you're you're going to have something to deal with any second now. So don't move. Don't drink. Don't blink. You're like, luckily, if you get to go to the bathroom. (laughs) And so, yeah, like I was saying, like I did two other whole foreign service tours overseas and we never had a single presidential visit. We had like maybe two codels in that whole time. And you and I did visit after visit after visit and some of them would come back to back or they would change their mind and suddenly come to like remember on that trump visit at first it was only supposed to be certain people and then before you know it it's like yeah that you know chaos the bingo card of the first tranche of that administration it's like sean spicer's coming and tillerson's coming and all these other people are in the entourage the kushners are coming and everyone who's high level has to have a control officer so normally people like me on a visit would not have gotten to do some of the stuff I got to do, but because we had so many VIPs come and over and over again, I ended up being like press control for a bunch of visits, which was wild for like a second tour officer to get to. Anyway, we get back to it. Uh, okay. So you're talking about the visits. You're hundred percent right. No eating, no sleeping. Uh, Cause that's just the way it goes. I was going to say before we were talking about the visits. So in America, there's this concept of like fixing, like you have a fixer who can kind of smooth the way for you into stuff. I think in Israel, you guys call it protexia. That was what my Israeli <laughs> yeah. just said. Um, and so especially the people who'd been there for a long time had relationships that had taken obviously an entire lifetime to cultivate. And those relationships were priceless. There's a lot of stuff that happens around like a presidential visit where if you don't know the guy at the gate or you don't know the head of the prime minister's press organization or you don't know you know, his best friend's cousin's sister, you know, the, you know, and the people who were very senior local staff at that time had those relationships that made it possible for us to get stuff done with an hour's notice, put together a whole press conference for 
the special representative and, you know, a Jordanian representative and an Israeli official with an hour's notice. That's true. That's like, especially that's in deal. Israel, you need to know people and, you know, you need to know how to talk to each person in high ground just to get things done. Otherwise, it's not a country that anything works properly or has a system for. We're uh, on, like you said, protectia and combina, which is the most Israeli word, just to combine things together so they create a specific uh, condition that provides you with what you were looking for. So in some ways, I, I got there and I think I realized really quickly, like, We can't do anything if these, let's say, three people on the team decide they're not going to do their jobs. If they decide they're not going to do it, we are at a standstill. It's clear. That's obvious. So my job is to make them want to do their jobs, number one. And number two, hopefully want to do their jobs in a way that is somehow relevant to the directives I'm getting from my bosses about what they need. Which completely contradicts the orders that your Israeli counterpart has gotten from their uh, boss. So it's, it's usually a very diplomatic uh, mission to like, reach something that both sides can benefit from. And I am not a diplomat. <laughs> Most Israelis are not. So uh, it's, it was good to have those skills around when things got turned sideways. We'll close the episode with my conversation about the visit of former Vice President Mike Pence to Israel in January of 2018. This is also where we get into some of the personal conflict in supporting government officials who you know don't actually have your best interests in mind. Here's Lisa. Um, but as we were talking, I had another moment where I remembered working with you, Alexis, um, with the Mike Pence's visit, by, by then Vice President Mike Pence's visit. I was one of the control officers for that visit, not for a person, with the, with the visit with the head, with the political chief, um, or the deputy political chief at that time. We were kind of co-leading that, and that was a time. Um, what do you remember about this visit, Alexis? You know, really, honestly, Lisa, because they came so fast and furious starting in that like early 2017 time period, some of them really blend together because I'm just like, it was a whirlwind. We all had to move to Jerusalem for two weeks and do control visits and check this place and check that place and talk to this security team, talk to that security team, talk to this media outlet, at least for me, because anytime they're doing anything, there have to be pictures because pictures where it didn't happen. And exactly. one big facet of the Trump administration was they wouldn't talk to traditional press. He wanted to do everything through social media. And that meant the ambassador wanted to do everything through social media. So instead of me being kind of like the junior player in the back of the room, the way I should have been as a second tour officer, <laughs> super often I would just be like thrust into the front. It's like, Alexis, what's going to go on the Twitter? And what's our draft for this thing? And, you know, what kind of Facebook product are we going to put together and who's going to cross post? Are we going to cross post our ministry of foreign affairs or, you know, prime minister's office. And so yeah. I remember these really vivid moments where it would be, I, there were more than a few times that I was on an email chain with like just me and the white house and the ambassador. And I'm like, this is not okay. There has to be some <laughs> other besides me. I don't know what's happening. I remember that. I thought, you know, like I didn't know. I was like, 
Alexis is really leading on stuff here. Like, and I'm saying, it was great. Black woman getting her, you know, her flowers and getting put out there in the front. I think that was amazing. But I was just like, is this normal? I actually remember your 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 copy, your your social media copy. You know, your which which for the folks listening are like edit or draft text for language for a post. I remember those coming through, and I remember like sometimes having to tone down something from our side because it had to be kind of like we do represent the United States, not Israel. So like our language on this has to be coming from the United States as a support of Israel, not sounding like we're representing the Israeli government. So there was a little bit of like toning things down. Um, you know, you know, you know, like I said, like you mentioned, our ambassador is very pro-Israel. And so, you know, that was what, what it was. And so we just always had to remember, like, we are still, like, in our language, our public-facing language, we have to make sure that we're the voice of the U.S. government in Israel. And so there was, like, toning down. And I remember seeing things, like, from other members of his team and just being like, we cannot say that as diplomats is representing. So I'm sure you probably have a ton of stories with that because I didn't see all the copy because I, I sometimes I think I'm, I'm the ambassador just through me, just went, just went straight. Like, there was not... So I was not able to even like log some of the stuff that would like, like, hey, we put this out there. But we had copy, uh, you know, it was, it went to post. So there was our record. The best thing that happened with that whole situation was that I was the only officer that had the social media passwords. So no one else could tweet anything, you know? So at the very least, like, okay, was I up until 2 a.m.? talking to the White House and State Department, secretly trying to loop them in so they're aware that this man might be trying to change, you know, 30 or 40 years of policy with one tweet, you know, so we can, someone can scramble a defense and be in, you know, but it means because it, there really should never be a world where me and the ambassador and Jared Kushner are the only ones on an email about messaging. That is wildly inappropriate. Someone in the State Department has to know, and it should not be me at post, it should be the PAO. Really, it should be the DCM and the PAO, but times being what they were, the ambassador knew I was the the trigger person, so to speak. And so he would just go straight to me like, all right, girl, here's the copy. Go ahead and tweet that out. I'll be like, oh, going to do my best. Hold on. Why shadow send it to six other people? And I'm like, he's trying to send someone call him. I can't say no to this. What did he have to say? No, I'm not, you know, so... There were, it happened over and over and over and over again. But to bring it back to the Pence visit, the thing that I also sticks out from that experience is one thing people maybe don't know is Israel is a very popular post for a lot of our LGBT colleagues because it is much more tolerant and receptive to them living openly and also having their spouses and family at post and it's safe. Uh, and so it's one of the only places, especially in the region, that they can do that. And um, I remember there being a lot of conflicted energy about supporting the visit of Pence, who is very, you know, famously sort of stripping the rights and advocating for stripping the rights from that community. And a lot of the people who ended up supporting that visit from our side were in fact LGBT. And I remember us being in that speech room that he was giving that speech in Jerusalem, I think at the hotel or something like that. Yeah, and I, I was just trying to stand next to the crew of them and sort of be there in solidarity and just be like, I'm so sorry. I can't imagine what it would, I mean, it, I actually can't imagine a little bit because it's not like the embassy in Jerusalem didn't move. And it's not like a bunch of people who are not necessarily pro women's and black people rights didn't come to that one. They did. But I'm, I was just like, wow, it has to be so difficult to really stand here and support this person as representative of the U.S. government and know that they are sort of actively working to make your life harder and the life of your family harder. 
So I, I remember that part too for the for the Pence visit. See, and, and that's like a little bit of thing that, that I was kind of sheltered from in the front office because you're so siloed. We don't have phones, right? You know, you're, you're communicating with your colleagues over email. And when you get out of this space, right? Um, that's very secure. And so like, it was, it was, it was very much like I would learn about things like after it happened, like you're very much, I think it's, it's kind of an interesting dynamic. And I wonder what it's like for C-suite and companies, if it's sort of a similar thing where you're really kind of siloed from the rest of the embassy, you're just dealing with the high level, top level, like um, folks at the embassy. And so like, I was sort of like in the thick of things. And I, I, uh, maybe you've already covered this, but for folks who don't know, control officers are basically the people who staff a visit. And so you can be assigned to like a, uh, a sort of a visiting member of government, a congressperson or a senator or something like that. And you are basically staffing them, making sure that they're, they get from point A to point B, that they're communicating with their counterparts in the, uh, on, the, on the ground at post. Um, as a part, you know, members of the foreign government. And so you're just sort of a liaison. You're just, you're their staffer um, for that time. So for that visit, I was a deputy control officer for the visit. So some more of more of the high level, making sure that all the other logistics and all the control officers are doing what they need to do and have all the resources they need to need to have. And so I kind of like sort of missed some of those dynamics on the ground, because again, when you're doing things at a, at the high level, you know, and so, you know, that's a, that's an interesting thing to, to hear you say that. And like me, I was like, oh, I was oblivious to, to those feelings. When I look back at my time in Israel, the VIP visits are definitely a standout. If I say so myself, I now have elite level event planning and troubleshooting skills. Imagine planning a wedding with multiple couples, the secret service, and that takes place in six different locations in one day. Now imagine doing that 13 times. I'll see you next time. If you would like to support the show, you can do that on Patreon, or you can buy hats, mugs, t-shirts, and TeePublic. If you are a current or former diplomat that would like to tell your story, you can email me at offdutydiplomat at gmail.com. Duty Diplomat is an oral memoir of my career in the Foreign Service. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love a review. Thanks for listening.